Good morning. Um, probably you can hear me better now that my microphone's on. Uh, glad to be with you this morning, and I uh, just want to dive into God's Word. Before we do that, let me just pray one more time on our behalf, uh, if you'd join me. Lord, as we look into your Word, um, we ask that you'd work. We need to hear from you. We need you to do your transforming, encouraging, strengthening, convicting, changing work. And so we ask that you would do that now. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. I want to start actually by reading a passage of Scripture from James 5 and asking a question for us. A uh, familiar passage for those who have spent any time in God's Word or around church, uh, but it's um, really critical for our focus this morning. In James 5, starting in verse 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. We have this story um, alluded to from the Old Testament that is also quite familiar where Elijah prays and it doesn't rain. Yeah, the weather changes according to his uh, prayer request. And James is saying, you should pray for one another and not just pray little things, not just pray, pray mundane things. That's always appropriate, but also pray audacious things like prayer for healing. Um, because God might do something miraculous among you because you and I were just like Elijah. We have the same nature. We're the same kind of people. There's nothing about him that's particularly inherently extraordinary. And so if he prayed to God and God changed the weather, you and I can pray to God and he might actually do a healing. He might do something extraordinary. And we need to be praying, praying for one another. Um, and I, I want to start by just asking a question. Do we believe this? Do we believe that we can see God work in powerful ways through prayer just like Elijah did? And um, are we praying in light of that? Do we believe it? And, and I, I don't mean believe it as in theoretically, of course, or even theologically, or even, well, it's in the Bible, of course I believe it, I have to believe it. But blood and bone, do I actually genuinely believe it? The, the working of prayer, the mighty response of God to my cry, is that something that is, is confined to Moses at the Red Sea 3,500 years ago? Is that something that is for Paul and Silas in a Philippian prison cell 2,000 years ago? Is that something for George Mueller as he's sitting down to breakfast with no food on the table, surrounded by orphans 150 years ago? Or is that something for today, for this moment? Do I really believe that God will do extraordinary things in response to prayer? Is that something that is for Peter, as he's by the deathbed of Dorcas in Joppa, on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, halfway across the world? Is that something for Martin Luther as he's pacing in his room the night before he has to declare exactly where he does stand in Germany? Is that something that's for an intrepid group of people who are um, confronted by a demonized woman and a deaf mute uh, as they share the gospel in India? 
Or is that something for here, this place? Do I really believe that God will answer prayer and that extraordinary things can happen and that I need to be interceding, that I need to be praying for other people? Is that something that's really confined to somebody like Hannah who's barren and cries out to God for a son? Is that something that's confined to Elisha who is perplexed and he's crying out that God would raise up a, a boy to life who has died? Is, is that something for um, somebody like Margaret Ann Hillis, who at seven years old found herself in bed listening to shells falling from the revolution, some landing in her yard praying for God's protection? Or is that something actually is for the challenge that's right in front of me, the problem that you face, the hardship, the opportunity, the situation right here? How much do I really believe what James has said that Elijah, like you and me, prayed and God did things, and so you and I ought to pray and pray for one another and pray even audacious prayers because God still works. Do I believe that? And do I believe that in my daily world of angry bosses and mortgage payments and embittered neighbors and ER visits and broken marriages? Do I really believe it? Do I really pray is that defining? It's supposed to be a defining reality in my life as a follower of Jesus. Prayer is to be one of the constants, one of the foundational constants upon which a whole life is built. Is mine. Can you count on me to pray for you? Can I count on you to pray for me? That's what we want to look at this morning. And so if you have a Bible or you can just look on the screen there, I want to turn us over to Ephesians chapter 6 and I want to read one more verse and we want to pull from that a few a few important concepts that will help to shape us as we seek to be people of prayer. Uh, so Ephesians 6 in verse 18, it's concluding a whole section where he's saying, look, life's hard, there's a struggle, there's a challenge. In fact, there's warfare going on, and it goes deeper than just the circumstances you see around you. There's a spiritual dynamic, and here's what God has given you so that you can arm yourselves and be prepared for battle. And then after he finishes the armor of God, he finishes the thought with prayer. Not that it's so much armor as it's something that is pervasive for everything. Everything is to be done in prayer, and we are to be praying for each other so that we will be able to engage the world and so that God will do extraordinary things in our lives and through our lives and for each other, prayer. And that's where we pick it up in verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And then the very next sentence says, and by the way, pray for me as well. So I pray for each other all the time. Persevere. Hang in there with this. Don't grow weary Pray in the Spirit. There's all kinds of truths there. And I, I want to I just pull out three for us to look at and, and uh, ask God to kind of grow us in our response to these three truths so that he can grow us in our faith. And, and there are three simple truths. The first one is prayer is hard. Prayer is hard. As you read this verse, it's got a lot of intense language as if Paul expects it to be warfare. And in fact, it comes in a context of warfare. It's not easy. It's hard. And we just need to own that right up front. Prayer is hard. Uh, the second thing is prayer is relational. 
Prayer is relational, and as we understand that, I think it actually helps to solve some of the challenges that we face, some of the struggles, some of the discouragements. It, it doesn't make them all go away, but I think it does go a long way towards answering some questions that we wrestle with and helping us continue to be faithful. Prayer is relational. And then finally, people need prayer. People need prayer. It, it seems like we shouldn't even have to say that, but we do, and we need to highlight that. People need prayer, and this passage really makes that clear to us. So as we look at it, the first thing we want to look at is that prayer is hard. Look at the verse again and listen to the emphasis in, in how I read it. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. That's some intense language. That's a lot of alls to say, stay with it, stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. Don't grow weary. Don't fade out. Don't forget. Don't leave anything out. It's all-encompassing all the time, every circumstance. That's a pretty intense picture. And then the idea of, of perseverance and alertness means it's not going to come easy. You got to stay awake, and you got to stay after it. Prayer's hard, and um, I need to own that, and that's not as easy, actually, as I think it, it should be. The easier life gets for us in general, I think the harder prayer gets in one sense, in that it takes us by surprise, that it's challenging, and that it's, in and of itself can knock us off base. We expect something to go smoothly, and when it doesn't, then, then we drift when we shouldn't, and that's true of prayer. I mean, we live in a, a one-click instant message, stream-on-demand kind of world. And we're supposed to stay with something that doesn't just come easy, and we don't always see how it's working. That doesn't intuitively fit. We live in a life hack, shortcut. We even download ways onto our phones so that we can navigate with the least amount of obstacles to get to where we're trying to go. We order fast food and bring it home, and if we don't feel like that, we have somebody else bring it home to us. And when we're feeling particularly healthy and we want to do something homemade, we go and pick up a pre-cooked chicken that's been rotisseried and a bag of lettuce that we open up and call a salad. That's the world we live in, and that's what we've become accustomed to. And when prayer is something that takes dedication, it takes time, it's not always obviously instantly fruitful. It's hard. It's hard. Kirsten shared her story a little bit earlier on, and I love the fact that Craig actually scheduled her for this week because that story, I think, captures so much. Um, we prayed for her for a long time from the time she, well, she, we prayed for her before that, but with intensity about her getting a teaching job from the time she graduated all through her student teaching season which she happened to do in, in uh, Thailand, which was a wonderful thing to do, but it actually disadvantaged her in the job search because then the distri different districts were getting to know other people and not getting to know her. And then as that season expired and she didn't get a contract over the summer, we're praying and continuing to just hold it up before God. It was discouraging at times, discouraging for her, discouraging for us. And the question is, do we really believe God works? Do we really believe he works through prayer? Are we going to keep coming to him and wait for him to do something? And as the new school year unfolded and she's getting substitution, uh, sub job after sub job, but not a contract, she didn't even get an extended sub um, opportunity, which is often uh, a chance to get a really good look at a district and a district to get a good look at you. She didn't have any of that. And we're praying that whole time. And, and it doesn't seem to be having any effect, 
right? On Tuesday when she called us, because David and I were away, when she called us and said what had happened, and essentially it, it turned out she had a job interview between, uh, would you like fries with that? And that'll be $5.67. In that, that gap, when she had this conversation with the superintendent and didn't know what was going to happen, thinking that maybe it would lead to some sort of substitute job in a COVID world, we prayed. We prayed with intensity. It was easier at that moment because something seemed to be moving. It was easy to pray on Tuesday, and when the answer came on Wednesday, that was a moment to celebrate. But the Tuesday prayer was only one part of the story. There were the 20 months prior. Sometimes when we have prayer testimonies, it's kind of challenging. Prayer is in a, in a catch-22 in our minds because if, if it's this big dramatic story, it, it bothers us that, well, yeah, sure, that's cool, but it doesn't happen all the time, and what about me? And it can even be kind of frustrating if I'm in that dark place, and so we don't want to hear the big dramatic story too much. Uh, but if it's not big and dramatic, then we explain it away. Well, uh, how do you even know that was prayer? right? Well, God's in all of it. God's in the big dramatic story, and he's in the 20 months leading up to the big dramatic story when nothing seems to be happening. Prayer is hard, and part of what I have to do as a follower of Jesus is, is make peace with that. It doesn't just come naturally. It doesn't just come easily. It doesn't just flow. Pray anyway. Pray for people because they need it, not because I can see immediate and obvious answers. We don't do hard super well. That's actually obvious in our world right now. It is a hard season. It's a tough time. But um, it's <laughs> we seem to be having a bigger struggle in some ways than I think it warrants because we're, we're freaking out at a, at a divisive election and a contentious pandemic as if the world is coming to an end. And there's people still surrounding us who live through Mao and Stalin and Hitler at the same time and survived. I, I don't think that they're actually on the same scale, but life's gotten easier, life's gotten smoother, life's gotten better, and so this challenge for us is really hard, and it knocks us off, it knocks us backwards. It's the same thing in prayer. It, when it gets hard, that's surprising to us. We haven't become accustomed to hard, and we have to. We have to. If we're really going to see prayer work we have to be willing to continue to engage over the long haul. Sometimes the dramatic answer comes quickly, sometimes it comes not at all, but we have to be willing to engage. I have a prayer journal that I have that I don't pray from all the time. I, my prayer life is, is kind of varied and I come back to that periodically. And so sometimes there are things in there that don't get attention unless I'm in the journal itself. And one prayer that I've had this whole year that has gotten kind of intermittent attention is that God would allow me to be part of, of seeing somebody come to faith um, where I was particularly instrumental in his, in his pursuing of them. And uh, that's been a significantly challenging prayer because I don't even get the opportunity to be around people like I used to. And the face-to-face -face interactions are they're limited and distanced and all of that kind of thing. And it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't make it easy. And I, I sometimes remember, sometimes don't. Sometimes I'm in my journal, sometimes I'm not. But it has been a consistently recurring prayer at its own level throughout this year. And now we're in November and it's like, wow, the whole year could go by and I may not see this answered. And, and God doesn't owe me that. I don't have to have that experience. For the last 20 years, by his grace, every single year, he's allowed me to be part of that in one or more people's lives. And I, I don't want that to change. I want to still be a part of that. I still want to be fruitful. But 
maybe it's not going to happen. And then um, I believe in direct response to those prayers. I uh, got, a, got a contact recently from a friend who I hadn't seen in a while, who I'd spent a fair amount of time praying for in the past, for years, and had shared Jesus with multiple times over the years and hadn't seen him in a while and he reached out and basically the, the short story is he's come to faith. And as he's been processing, as he's been on his own journey with God, as he was coming to that place of, of uh, what are you going to do with Jesus kind of moment, our conversations were the things that kept coming back to him. And it was, it was that gospel testimony that came back from long ago. And God answered a prayer. Prayers that have been prayed over years for him and over this year for being a part of something that I didn't see coming and yet it happened. But it, there was nothing before then to, to encourage me. It just kind of seemingly came out of the blue. But it didn't. It came out of a faithfulness, a, a, an uneven faithfulness, but a faithfulness that says, it, it, prayer's hard, but I'm going to stick with it. By God's grace, I'm going to stick with it. One of my favorite uh, stories Jesus tells about prayer has actually this point. He says, uh, I want you to always pray and not lose heart. And then he tells a story about a, a woman who has a need, who can't get her need met, and she goes to the judge again and again and again. And finally, he gives her what she needs because it's right. And, and Jesus says, look, God's not like that. He is just, he's going to quickly give you what you need. You don't have to bully and badger him into doing what's right. He naturally does what's right. But his time schedule, implied, is not the same as yours. And then there's these very sad words. I think Jesus says them with pain in his heart. He says, but will the Son of Man, when he returns, find faith on the earth? In other words, will you continue to trust me even though prayer is hard, even though the answer is not obvious, even though it doesn't seem to be happening? Will you stay with it? Prayer is hard. I'm called to pray for you. You're called to pray for me. That doesn't come easily. The answers aren't obvious sometimes. Sometimes the answers aren't even going the direction we want. Sometimes we pray for years. If you're faithful in prayer, you're going to have a lot of dangling prayers where you're wondering what God's doing. But he says, all this intense language, part of that is um, keep alert and persevere. Stay with it. Stay with it. Whether you realize it or not, God's actually at work. Maybe this is the time for some of us to refocus. To say, yeah, Lord, I, I've kind of gotten discouraged and kind of pulled down. I'm not praying like I really want to like I know you really want me to because I've, I've kind of gotten off track. It's discouraging and, and I've, I've lost heart. Restore my heart. Restore my focus. Encourage me. Show me somehow how you're working or give me the strength to continue praying even when I don't see that. So prayer is hard. I need to face that. The second thing is prayer is relational. Prayer is relational. And I think that piece will solve so many challenges, or at least help to solve so many challenges we face in prayer. Look at what it says in this passage again, praying at all times in the Spirit. Now, that's a, a little bit abstract, and scholars don't agree 100% on exactly what that looks like. It's kind of got a little breadth of meaning to it, but if you boil it down, everyone's on the same page. Essentially, and here's my language to put to it, prayer is relational. 
It's something we do in the sphere of the Spirit. It's something we do in relationship to the Spirit. It's something we do in partnership with the Spirit of God. I am filled with the Spirit. The Spirit guides me in prayer. The Spirit inhabits my prayers. I'm aware of the Spirit. I've aligned my heart with the Spirit. I'm being attentive to the Spirit's voice, and I'm looking to now, in that frame of reference, that frame of life, now pray. Do this in the Spirit. Um, nothing mystical or magical about it, but there's something very significant that's not, not physical. It's a heart alignment and awareness and attentiveness where I'm partnering with the Spirit of God. I was um, invited to pray for healing, actually, to go back to the James passage for somebody with another key leader. This has been quite a few years ago, and uh, the other key leader was kind of the, the lead position in that prayer time. They asked him first, and he asked me to join him as, if you will, the wingman in this prayer time. And so as he was leading us, I saw this as he was applying it in, in a pretty dramatic way. We were praying, and uh, it was his season of prayer, and, and you, he prayed, Lord, guide us in what to think and what to pray for. Show us how to pray in this moment. And then he was just quiet for a little while, and then he stopped, and he looked up at the person we're praying for. He said, I don't know if there's anything to this, but it just feels to me like there's a relational rupture, maybe, in your life that's impacting your health here. And the person we were praying for um, looked like they had just been exposed and were seen through. And um, they kind of dropped their eyes and said, yeah, there is. And it wasn't, it wasn't their thing. They hadn't done wrong. Wrong had happened to them, but, but there was more that needed to happen, more that God wanted to do that needed to be addressed. And as we were praying in, in partnership with the Spirit, as we were saying, God, show us how to pray, this came up. And that became the trigger point to change so many things. That relational issue began to be dealt with in a fresh way that led to more fruitful outcomes hard though it was, and the physical healing began to turn around at that point too, and it was this idea, I think, of, of, of praying in the Spirit. Um, sometimes we have a hard time with prayer because uh, how do I know that's God, right? I have a friend who um, I know has struggled with this. He believes in prayer, prays, follows Jesus, but it's still always kind of a little hard, and it's hard not to just be a little cynical about prayer because is that God? How does that work? Why does this prayer get answered and that one not get answered? And that, that can flow not just into, into kind of a almost cynical zone, but it can also f- flow into a confusing zone. I'm, I'm in dialogue with somebody else who has been praying a lot and passionately according to Scripture about some key things and has not seen those prayers answered the way that was expected. And the question is, why? How does this work? Why is this prayer answered? Why is this prayer not answered? And why is it working the way that it is? And that can become confusing. We can become jaded. We can become um, discouraged. We can kind of throw up our hands. Say, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. And, and then it, it robs us of some of the intensity and, and frequency and intentionality of our prayer lives because it, it's just a guessing game. And I think part of that comes from a, a pattern I've seen in my own life and I've seen in the lives of other people as well that I think gets in the way. And I call it um, the fence post model of prayer. The fence post model of prayer. And here's what I mean by that. The recent windstorms we had did damage a number of ways at my house, including 
breaking a four by four fence post off and knocking down a huge section of the fence. So this last weekend uh, was my chance to fix that. And so I went and I uh, dug out the old fence post or what was left of it was still in the ground. But it was set in a, a bunch of concrete. So I had to dig out around this two foot chunk of concrete that filled a hole that was full of what was left of the fence post. And um, digging that out wasn't easy for a number of reasons. One was I didn't want to dig a huge crater around it because I was going to put a new fence post in there. And I didn't want to have compromised soil around there or to have to buy a whole truckload of concrete to fill in this crater. So I dug just enough around there and I was trying to work that, that basically heavy stone of concrete out of the hole that it just fit in. And in order to do that, I needed some leverage. I needed some force. I needed to make it move in just the right way. I needed to, if you will, use basic laws of physics to force an outcome that I wanted to see happen. And I didn't have a big pry bar, but I had two hammers, and so I was kind of going at it like uh, claws, and I would, I would grab it and yank on it and grab it and yank on it, and one time I guess I hit it a little too hard, and it, it broke in about four pieces along the fault lines of the concrete, and which made it easy to pull out, no problem. But it, my mind being the strange thing in that it is, it immediately reminded me of a, an exam question I had in a physics class years and years ago. Here was the question. It said, um, a piece of rock weighing with, with such and such a mass is flying at this angle at this speed. Another piece of the same rock with such and such a mass is flying at this angle at this speed. Another piece of the same rock is such and such a mass is flying at this angle at this speed. The rock was split by a bullet fired at it with this mass. How fast was the bullet going when it struck the rock and what angle did it hit from? And that was the question, right? And if you understand physics and math and they'll say, you can figure it out. It's a, that's a solvable problem and it's actually a fairly simple solution. You just work the process because it is a force, it is a law, there's a power that's at work that follows a pattern that you can predict and it's always gonna be the same. That's what I was trying to do with that fence post. There was a force, there were laws, and I was just trying to work with those, get the right leverage and the right angle to make it move the way that I wanted. And you could actually, if you had all the information, reduce that to a mathematical equation that's easily understood and easily manipulated. Prayer is not a force. Because it's powerful doesn't mean it's a power. It's not mathematical. It's not a matter of can I get the right leverage and the right angle and use the force the right way. If I have 38 people praying for something or if I have 42 people praying for something, it doesn't change the intensity of the force of prayer to somehow make the answer that I want happen. Now, more people praying may show a certain passion that God will honor, so there can be a role for that. But it's not, I'm using a force, and the more people I have using that force, the more likely it is to take effect. Prayer is not power. Prayer is a conversation. And it's a conversation with a request for a person to act. 
right? It is relational. I pray in the Spirit. I'm partnered with the Spirit. I'm talking to the Father in the name of the Son to see if He will do something. And in His sovereignty, He has actually ordained that there are things that will be brought about because I partner this way. Elijah prayed and the weather changed. I want you to do the same. Stuff happens. Things change. But it's because a person makes a choice. Persons are not the same thing as forces. He chooses how he's going to work, when he's going to work, what that's going to look like. And I can't get the right leverage, the right angle, the right tools in place to make the outcome that I want. And it's my faulty understanding of prayer that kind of reduces it to some force that actually complicates my life. I get cynical because it works sometimes, doesn't work another time, or I get confused, or I get discouraged. Don't believe it's happening. It's like, well, none of that's true. God has said, I work in prayer. I partner in prayer. I'm still a person. I'm a sovereign, all-wise person on top of that. So I'm going to act a certain way. But part of my action is is predicated on your action. I've said there are certain things that I will do as you pray, so pray. And there's other things that I'm going to do, but as you pray, you join me in that. And there's other things that I'm going to do, and as you pray, I will transform you. I will align you. So when you pray, pray in the Spirit. Come to God through God relationally. It's not a force we try to bring to bear in the world to solve our problems. It's a person, it's a conversation with somebody who cares and who's got more than enough power to do anything he would choose. He may not always choose what I would choose, but he knows more than I do and I can trust him even with that. And I can come to him continually and ask. And he said, please do. I command you to do that. I want you to do that. And there are things that I will only do if you do that. Pray. But pray in the spirit, pray responsive, attune your heart, align your heart, be attentive to what I say, view this as a partnership as you pray, and listen. Don't just jump into telling me what to do, see if I have some guidance for you in how we're going to do this together. Prayer is a relational thing. And my prayer life, my ability to intercede grows as I embrace that. The third truth in this passage that we want to pull out this morning is just that people need prayer. He ends by saying, making supplication for all the saints. Everybody needs prayer, including me. Paul even says that, for all the saints. By the way, pray for me, and here's my specific request. There's an expectation that we pray because prayer changes things. It changes circumstances. It changes people. It doesn't just change my heart. It will do that, but it actually affects outcomes, I remember the first time I decided to take that idea somewhat seriously, and uh, I was in a church that was really in trouble, really struggling, and um, small church, I was a part-time staff member, and um, people were leaving. It was a very discouraging time, and there was this one couple that I thought pretty much everything rides on them, and they seemed discouraged. Oh, Lord, please don't let them leave, and I, I just had this... Um, I'd been exposed to the idea that you can change reality simply by praying sometimes without doing anything more. And I felt 
like that's what I should do. So I just started praying for this couple with great intensity and passion and focus for an extended period of time. Never told them what I was doing, just praying. God, would you encourage them? God, would you strengthen them? God, would you help them to stay with it? And after some weeks, I remember the wife looked at me one day and she said, I don't know what you're doing. And I don't know what you're praying, but keep it up because it's working. And that really surprised me because I hadn't told her or him that I was praying for them. But somehow God had made them aware and he was working through that. People need prayer. People need prayer. Some of you have prayed for me. Uh, in, in small things, you pray for me all the time, and I appreciate that. There's nothing that ever encourages me more than to hear somebody say, I'm praying for you, and know that they actually are. Uh, sometimes in big things, when I was in the hospital a couple of years ago, and it was really unclear, is he going to survive, and what's he going to be like when he comes out? Is he going to come out? What is this going on here? And you prayed with intensity and passion, and that really was a blessing. Um, I've had the privilege and have the ongoing privilege, because remember, prayer sometimes leaves dangling things until God works. Um, I've had the ongoing privilege to pray for a friend for more than a year of a serious, serious health issue. And God's been working, but he's been answering the prayer incrementally. There's always more to pray, and it's never quite clear, are we done yet? What's going to happen next? And it's, it's kept me engaged in the prayer. I have a young man I'm working with who's had his life really shattered, very heartbroken, and not just kind of a minor thing, the kind of thing that is absolutely life-changing and life-disruptive. And I've just been praying for him because he needs God's help to sustain him through this. I can't do other things. But you know what? That phrase that I think comes to our minds, whether it ever comes out of our mouth, that sometimes we think all I can do is pray, is a bad phrase. I can only pray should be replaced with I can always pray. It's always the right thing to do. It's always an opportunity. And maybe in addition to that, there's some other action. But prayer is the starting point. It's the foundation. It's the wellspring from which God's working is going to happen. That's a good thing. And this young man, I pray for him because he needs God's help. Another guy I'm working with, actually a couple of guys that I'm interacting with have, have done things in the not distant past to totally destroy their lives. And they're both looking for God to rebuild it. And I'm praying for them. I can't, I can't get in there and rebuild their lives, but I don't have to. It's not that I can only pray, it's that I can always pray. And this is one of those opportunities where something really significant can happen. Some of you may remember a pastor we had years ago. He was the picture of health, Kel marathoner, amazingly healthy, moved to Tennessee, and um, not long after he got there, he was diagnosed with cancer, and I remember I talked with him multiple times on the phone, and, and there was just this intensity in his voice as he was asking me to pray for him, because it was hard, and it boiled down to, I don't know how to be sick. It's always been kind of a theoretical thing. He had a good theology of sickness. He was, he was somebody who leaned hard into God and God's sovereignty and God's goodness, never doubted that. He was solid as could be. But he hadn't had to deal much with sickness and suffering, and he was on a horrible road. And he's just like, I want to do this well. I want God to meet me here. Pray for me. I need your prayers. And God eventually um, saw fit to take him home to heaven, but the road was hard. And my friend needed me and others, I know some of you prayed for him too, to pray. People need prayer. 
God works through prayer. He does mighty things through prayer, but he also does mundane things through prayer. He has these once-in-a-lifetime answers that blow us away. And he also has these everyday, quiet interweavings that we won't even notice unless we're looking. Some things he does have the undeniable fingerprints of God on them, and others are really unremarkable because they're just part of the fabric of life. The thing about prayer is it doesn't always look miraculous, not always intended to. Sometimes you, you meet somebody at the drive-thru and your whole life changes. Other times you're never quite sure what's going on. Either way, people need prayer. It's fundamental to my life as a follower of Jesus that I would be praying. I need you to pray things into my life. And you need me to pray things into your life. Do we believe that? Do we practice that? My prayer is that this morning, God, even right now, will bring a situation or a person to your mind. Just be attentive for a moment. Is there somebody that God is putting on your heart, some need that he's putting on your heart, some situation? Maybe it's just a person you're not even sure what they're facing. I would encourage you that that's an opportunity to pray. Take that person before the Lord. Pray for them. Pray his blessing into their life. Pray his conviction into their life. Pray his correction into their life. Pray his grace into their life. Pray his mercy into their life. Pray, pray his strength into their life, his wisdom into their life. You may not even know what it is they need, but pray for them. We are to pray for one another. Pray for all the saints. It's a fundamental reality. A few years ago, my wife was interacting with a, a new believer that she had been encouraging. And the fact that she was a new believer is only important in this regard. She hadn't learned all the lingo yet. She didn't know the Christianese. And so Devet said, um, I'm interceding for you. And she said, thanks, that's great. Polite answer. Later, um, she contacted, reached out to Devet and said, I didn't know what that word meant. I looked it up. Thank you. That's beautiful. I really appreciate it. Here's one of the definitions you can find for intercede. To act or interpose on behalf of another in difficulty or trouble. Always intercede for the saints. That's beautiful. What a privilege. What an opportunity. What a holy calling. My prayer is that we would be people who are growing in prayer and particularly in prayer for each other. Let me pray that for us right now. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your work that has given us access that we know when we cry out, Father, you hear us. And Father, we do come. I come on behalf of all of us that you would grow us. You know where we are. You know what we need. You know what's broken. You know what's messed up. You know what's hurting. You know what's frightening. You know what's an opportunity, what's a challenge. You know the good things. You know the hard things. You know it all. 
And I can't even begin to discern, much less cover all of that in my prayer right now. So I just lift it all up to you, each person. You know where we are, you know what we need, and I ask for that right now. I want to intercede, I want to interpose on behalf of those who may be hurting or struggling. I want to step into that high calling, that beautiful thing, and say, Father, would you work? I pray that you would help them to do the same for me, for other leaders here. May we be people known for prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.